Grassroots Community Network's 2017 Aspen City Council candidate and election coverage is made possible by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen, where your donations and purchases of clothing and other personal items supports dozens of nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley. Underwriting for Grassroots ProBlind series of in-depth candidate discussions is provided by A&B Bank Aspen, a bank like no other, with the strength, talent, commitment, and security to fulfill their business and personal customers' financial needs. A special thanks to Aspen Journalism for partnering with Grassroots on ProBlind, because well-informed citizens make better decisions. Discover more local, in-depth investigative journalism at aspenjournalism.org. It is simple to join these local institutions in supporting grassroots programming. Click the Donate button on your next visit to grassrootstv.org. You can watch this program and thousands of other grassroots programs online at grassrootstv.org, as well as on Cable Channel 12, Up Valley, Cable Channel 82, Down Valley, and Free TV Channel 12.1, over the Picking County Translator System. Or find a podcast of this discussion and many other informative and inspiring local presentations by clicking the iTunes or SoundCloud icons at the top of grassrootstv.org homepage. Are you ready? <clears throat> no, sir. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, well, Ann Mullins, I think the last time we sat here was four years ago on yes. your first <laughs> bid for city council. Right. And so you're signing up for another lap, <laughs> <laughs> another four-year term. Um, why are you doing that? Why do you want to serve uh, another four-year term? Well, first I thought about it, and I thought about it a long time. This is not a slam dunk, but um, when I was asked, you know, it's been a really interesting four years. Uh, when I was asked four years ago to run, uh, I debated, and then I thought, well, I've, my experience in business, my career in planning and design, at that point I'd been on HPC for seven years, and my really deep love of Aspen, and I thought, well, I can, I can do a good job at the, at the council table. Um, and then, uh, but now you, four years later, I realized what an honor it was to be elected to work with such a smart and informed and many times very challenging public. Uh, we've got a very capable city staff at City Hall. And then working with my fellow council members, it's many times a challenge, but it's almost always worth the effort uh, for the results we get. Um, and then in the last four years, I've seen really quantifiable change in town, improvements in town. So I would be honored to be elected again to City Council. I'd like to keep up the momentum of the good work we're doing and also uh, look into new initiatives, new measures, new legislation that can actually serve the people of Aspen better. I don't think anybody would have blamed you if you said, okay, that's good. <laughs> I'm out. I mean... It seems like a contentious city council to a certain degree. It's sort of a four to one council, mm -hmm. it seems to me, where Bert's a, a, a constant outlier or irritant or challenger or skeptic, maybe. And he's got yard signs up for your challengers, for the non-incumbents who are running in this race. Right. And so is it hard in that regard to have um, sort of a constant... Yeah, it is, it is hard in some ways. Uh, the first two years um, were somewhat of a honeymoon. We were a very uh, closely aligned council and uh, very collaborative. Uh, everything wasn't 5-0, but um, like I said, there was a lot of collaboration and, and generally close to consensus on council. Um, Bert got, you know, Bert's a great advocate. And there's a difference between being an advocate and being a council member. Basically, you shift from being a loner to a member of a group that's trying to reach some type of, some level of consensus with the public and within the council. Uh, that said, 
Bert, sometimes he brings up stuff and I go, oh, no, no. But other times he brings up things that none of us have thought about. They're very good points. Um, other times I'm not quite, quite sure the persistence that he has with some of these points. Uh, and I don't, say, I don't think it's an entirely contentious council. Let me give you an example. You know, he's clearly for uh, the other candidates. I mean, there's, there's no question he supports them, whether it's Facebook's posts or um, yard signs or events. But I sat down to the table last night after a, a difficult meeting Monday night where he was kind of the outlier in, in what we were talking about. Um, but then again, I just have to say, sometimes it pushes us to re-examine something that, that does need to be changed, something that we were, you know, letting pass. So many times his suggestions are good. Um, last night he, uh, I sat down at the table and he complimented me on something that had been accomplished that I was uh, pretty much responsible for. And so it, it's not all bad. It's not all combative. Um, you know, it's you work through that. Well, I'm certainly not there every minute. I dip in and out, and, and sometimes I'm there, and sometimes I watch yeah. on TV. But it does seem sometimes <laughs> that it's it's a tough vibe in the in the room. On the other hand, I, as you say, Bert often brings up points that others haven't, and he's always well prepared. Mm -hmm. He's highly critical, though. He seems to be critical of basically everything the council has done that you since you've been on it. Um, he doesn't like the new city office building on Galena. Um, he didn't like the base two decision. I don't think he liked the lodging incentive, right? I mean, there's just sort of a long list of things where he's critical and more uh -huh. critical probably than I can articulate here. So how do you deal with that? It, does the rest of the council think they're, everything's going along just fine or do they kind of agree that, well, things could be better or different? Um, we've never talked about that. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it is, it is what it is, and I am critical of some of the decisions council has made. Um, there are a few things that I fought very hard for that didn't get um, passed or achieved, and I'm, you know, disappointed. But um, yeah, that's all I can say. It is what it is. We go in there, we come prepared, we work. Uh, one of us sometimes brings up something nobody else agrees with, uh, and you just you work through it. So what are let's maybe try and define some of the successes and and maybe failures in the four years. What do you think has been the council that you've supported has been um, best for town or, or victory, if you will? Oh, okay. Well, of course, the biggest is the, the, um, the land use revision, where we were looking at um, downtown, just reducing the sizes of buildings of downtown. And so, you know, the height's down to 28 feet. The FAR has been reduced to be consistent with that height reduction. Uh, another thing we're trying to achieve which, and again, someone was asking me the other day, when are you going to see the results? And unfortunately, it's, it's going to be a few years before we see results from this new legislation. From um, the downzoning, if you will. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. very much downzoning. Um, uh, trying to create what we call, and I think this is a really exciting part of it, second tier spaces, uh, spaces that each development now will be required to provide a certain percentage of the square footage in these second tier which are, um, you could say, less desirable, maybe less accessible visibly, um, but they're spaces that hopefully will command less, um, a lower rent. And so we'll get some of those locally owned businesses in there. And the, um, the push is for a mix, a diverse mix of businesses. And instead of dictating what will be in each space, um, we are From a programmatic standpoint. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're attempting, and this has been successful in other cities, to uh, do it by design, by creating the space that could command the high rent. We create another second space in the building that will be lower rent. Is it like an upstairs space or a setback space? Um, could be upstairs, could be basement, could be alley access, which I, I has worked really well in some cities. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those are smaller spaces, obviously not as visible, but you know it's, out, you know it's around the corner. So those, or even, you know, some of the pass-throughs pass, pass -throughs that we have in town. Uh, CP Paws, the pet store that's down off, you know, that kind of space. It's a really interesting, fun space. And um, as I said, hopefully uh, demands a little less rent. So that required a moratorium that was passed. And is that moratorium still in place or has that no, been no, lifted? No, March 17th. 
that was March seventeenth is lifted. And so that seemed to go pretty well. I mean, there weren't pitchforks and torches outside of City Hall regarding that moratorium. Right? No, I was uh, actually the night we declared the moratorium, we all thought, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and no, I think we've got support from the town. You know, there was a, again, I use the word momentum, kind of starting with Ordinance 19, which was the very aggressive lodging ordinance that was in response to people saying we were losing beds, we need more lodging. Uh, when we started it, my interest in that ordinance was uh, supporting the smaller, older lodges, rather than and rather than promoting uh, a lot of new construction. I thought, let's see what we have. Let's let's build that up as much as we can, and then see what we need from there. The ordinance, unfortunately, turned into a very aggressive um, new lodge ordinance, with the emphasis shifted to that instead of the small lodge. And um, I always have to <laughs> tell everyone it did pass, but I voted against it, and. Uh, and Bert's critical of that, um, just using Bert as a sort of all-purpose critic here, um, <laughs> in that it passed and there's a lot of incentives built into that, and right. he, he's concerned it'll spur, and I guess you were too, that it, it will spur a lot of well, growth mainly, when that wasn't the point. Right, it, was, it allowed four-story buildings, um, which again could be 60 feet, that could be 40 feet. You know, you know that, that was a problem, that it, the height wasn't... Um, defined. Defined, it should, it should have been rather than the stories. And then uh, it was quite, quite... Uh, uh, how do I say it? it? Did not require the affordable housing that I that I thought it should, but so it passed. I voted against it. Um, it As did Bert. Was that three two? Was that a th no, was Bert that was not on council. Oh, okay. I, I think the mayor and I both voted against it. Okay. I'd have to go look, but okay. it did pass. But then the um, uh, public really got up in arms about it, and we ended up rescinding it. Right before and, it was going to a vote, basically. Oh, yeah. So yeah. you backed off. Right. right. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, we heard we heard what everybody said, and I was more than happy to rescind it because I wasn't for it anyway. And it's turned into a very strong small lodge ordinance where we give out grants, we um, incentives like uh, fast tracking building permits. Um, there's a whole list of things, and uh, we've got probably 23 small lodges in town. We've got at least half of them. Samaritz um, has taken advantage of it. Uh, they've got a whole new boiler system from a grant that we gave them. And so this is what I was hoping to see, and it's it's working out quite well. So that's a victory, not a not a government debacle, as, again, as Bert would sort of characterize it. He sort of characterized it as a, a failure of the council going to one direction and then retreating. But you would say it no, was I a think so. decent process. The yeah, we, mm -hmm. it was passed with some opposition. Um, it got a lot more opposition once it was passed. Council looked at it again and listened to uh, myself and, as I said, I'm pretty sure it was Steve, listened to why we objected to it and said, fine, maybe we're, we're not on the right track. We've gotten, and I think we just had gotten way off track on that thing, and so they rescinded it. And to me, um, it's a somewhat messy process, but it's a successful process. So the city's also been actively developing a couple of its own buildings. It approved a new police station, which is under construction. Right. And it just approved a new, I guess it's a new city hall mm -hmm. um, for, for where the Rio Grande uh, Plaza right. is right. now, or the ACRA offices are. And so that's approved and done, or does that still have a couple more votes, or is that done? Well, it is. What we approved last night is uh, the conceptual, which is... Uh, people <laughs> accuse me of getting too technical and you know now being on council we throw all these terms around but basically we've approved the mass and the programming and uh, approved the hard kind of stuff the box. basically yeah. yeah and from here we just continue to refine it okay. and you know the, the inside the program may be refined a little further as you get more information uh, the outside may be refined further as you look more carefully into materials uh, the landscape uh, which is something I've really pushed to make that somewhat a uh, portal to Rio Grande Park as opposed to being um, cut off from the park. You know, that we're going to continue to work on that. Uh, so that that's the approval that came last night. So it's, a, it's been or fascinating night, really so. on this council of, of how much city building it, it has been in front of it because you had the powerhouse decision and process. Right. And then you had, well, should we build new offices in the Jerome uh, building the Jerome Professional Building, which the city has leased space right, there, right. and then you had the decision about do we walk away from Armory Hall, 
current right. city hall. And so there's been a lot of building and a lot of um, programmatic decisions, I guess, about what the, for the city's facilities. Yeah. And been a lot of criticism of the, of the potential new city hall. So I guess, do you think you feel you got it right? Is everything, are all those decisions? I mean, there's a lot of critics out there about how the powerhouse process went. Right. And how that raised we a lot of people. Yeah. We should, maybe. Because a lot yeah. of people have said that that was, um, it raised a lot of people's hopes and expectations. And then it all sort of came crashing down. And now it's sort of back to the city just, well, we'll just figure out what to do with the space in right. time. And it's a flexible space now for the city to meet its needs which I think a lot of people going in thought, well, yeah, why don't you just well, you use can, it as you need it? Yeah, put that in my bucket of disappointments. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about that? Or, yeah, or let's or talk city about hall? the powerhouse first and then city hall. Uh, okay. Um, so the powerhouse, so we spent... It's the old art museum for anyone right, who doesn't know, right? right. Um, about two years of public meetings, what, you know, and it was in conjunction with... Um, no, it wasn't, I'm sorry. Quite a few public meetings talking about what, what should be down there and coming up with criteria meeting with stakeholders, um, neighbors, different people in town. This, and so we put out an RFQ, a uh, pretty standard way of doing these kind of things, uh, listed the criteria. We, um, we put together a citizen's advisory board to help us review because we got 15-plus uh, proposals, I think. And they were all, they were all great. Uh, but we put together the citizens' committee to help us look at that. Uh, after the RFQ, they came back with, uh, I think, four that they recommended. And, of course, council had read all the proposals, too. And so in discussions with um, the citizens group and, and council's input, we came up with the five finalists who went out for the then the request for proposals, which, you know, then will include the money part <laughs> as opposed to the kind of conceptual part. And uh, the power plant, which was the, the group, uh, the Duncan and Dave Cook and um, the brewery and the there. TV station combo, right? Kind of. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that actually, when you read through the proposals, uh, that filled every one of the criteria we had, which was to liven up that area, to create a really strong node within the the park system, to be uh, a facility that was used by all demographics, um, all not all times of the day, but you know. It, Seven days, not, not closed on weekends, not closed at four o'clock, not that kind of thing. Um, so it... it um, but it had a commercial component to it, which some people said was not consistent with the original vision. Is that a fair... No, and at some point, somebody said it's supposed to be a nonprofit, And I said, no, it's not. And, that, you know, I actually went back and asked Jim True to look at everything we published in terms of asking people to propose. And there, there's nothing ever about a nonprofit. So it, it always could have... Included a commercial component. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but that, that was, wasn't a widely held perception, I don't think. It seemed. I know. <laughs> I kept bringing that up, <laughs> uh -huh. that anybody, any, um, you could have had a retailer put in a proposal for that. There was no stipulation that it be a, a nonprofit. Okay. And I don't know how that perception got in there. And I actually reviewed all the paperwork, and it was never written any place. I think somebody brought it up, and Maybe it was published and other people ran with it. But or maybe it was just so many ideas were nonprofits. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, uh, the power plant was the only uh, commercial venture. Right. So it was, it was the food and beverage, it was the TV station, and then an incubator space upstairs. Uh, I was disappointed it didn't go in. I was a, a strong supporter of it. Uh, I think both the city and the applicant were at fault. And... You know, I've talked to those guys. We had coffee shortly after we voted it down, and, and it was one of the tougher meetings I've had. And I just wanted to be really honest about why I voted the way I did. And I do think the city had some fault in it and the applicant. The city, because we let this application kind of languish, we... Um, who was down there first? Oh, the art, muse art museum stayed longer than they were anticipated. And then the library moved in, and... Uh, was there a zoning mistake? Was there an oversight in terms of what the zoning allowed? Oh, that and does was that rest with the city? Or? Um, it was originally assumed that, let me make sure I get this straight, that it was zoned residential. And then Linda Manning, our fabulous city clerk, for some reason thought, I need to look into this a little further. And then she found that it actually was zoned public. 
So um, I think I got I have that right. In any case, almost or was it the other way? Was it thought it was zoned public and it was zoned residential? No, I'm pretty sure no? it was a okay. Because well, whatever it was, it gave the neighbors something to hang their hat on who were opposed to the right one way or the other. Right. But it didn't matter. Whatever you put down there was going to have to you were going to have to rezone okay. the, the thing. Okay. Um, you know, if it was a residential zoning, we were going to have to rezone it. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I'm sorry I don't have that straight. I will go back and put right. that up That's, immediately. Um, um, but it really didn't change the story that much. What happened okay. is we let it sit for too long, and then the library moved in, and uh, this objection started festering up and people talking about things. And so we should have been... If we'd made the decision, we should have just acted on it. Um, their objections came up that in the end were not all of them entirely valid, which was unfortunate. Uh, the applicants were not as aggressive maybe as they should have been in following up on some of these objections. Is this really valid or not? And also just pushing the city, say, get this done. You decided we get... But we were all kind of quiet. This will happen, this will happen. And all of a sudden, this, these objections bubbled up. And they got this. It's probably too long a story. Is this okay? No, uh, a lot of discussion in the community about it. And, yeah. and you know, from my own standpoint, I, I right away I felt it was fascinating when the city said, "Well, we can't just take this back as city property and use it as we see fit to manage our internal space needs." And at least that's kind of the perception I had that we need to do something more with this. We can't just say use this as a city facility uh, as we see fit. And I I always kind of thought, well, well, why not? Uh, it's your building, oh. and if you need to move the library down there, or if you need to move people around and do it on a temporary basis and just kind of make it up as you go along, I, I always felt the city sort of had that option. Rather than and doing that, the right, whole process. Rather than doing some, some grand process. Oh, okay. And so I, I was always fascinated by it as, to term, as if it maybe it was too ambitious. Well, and I think part of the thinking there was we were talking about a new city hall, and we were trying to consolidate um, offices as much as you could and, and putting something down there uh, is really quite distant. It doesn't seem that far but it is on a day-to-day -day business uh, basis to have it, it is kind of a uh, branch And now <laughs> branch it's kind of ending up space. that now it's ending up it's now functioning as branch office space right? Right, right. Um, and um, Branch and, office, and, temporary office yeah, space. Yeah and it will until we finish the new city right. hall. But in any case uh, in the end the uh, um, the applicants changed their application to address some of the citizens' concern, and the reason I eventually voted against it, uh, which was really hard, was that what we were being presented it with was not what I had supported originally. They kind of shifted to, to accommodate the criticism and, and um, accommodate other things and basically change their application. Gotcha. So. Very, very disappointing. In the disappointment bucket. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so is the new city hall in the success bucket or the disappointment bucket? Oh, <laughs> oh you got me there. <laughs> Where's that one going to go? Um, well, you know, everybody, I think most people know I was a proponent, proponent of the one roof option and freeing up the armory for, um, for community use. Uh, it cost a lot less money. It cost 12 to $15 million less to do the one roof. Uh, construction schedule was two years as opposed to almost six years that we're talking about now. Because we're going to renovate the, the old armory hall as part of the process, and that's expensive and time-consuming. Right. If we okay. built this one roof, you'd build it, everything, and then you just move everybody in. Now we're shifting things around, like to the old power plant, to City Hall, down to the Mount Rescue, uh, that kind of thing. It's a bunch of moving okay. pieces, and, and it's... Um, it's hard, you know. It's hard on staff, and you never quite mm -hmm. know where an office is going right. to be. Um, so I was disappointed about that. I thought we could save a lot of money. I thought it was a much more efficient, uh, space-saving uh, possibility. Once you have three different roofs, you've got duplication of services. So we could actually downsize the city if you're putting it, the facilities if you're putting it in one place. Well, I was uh, thinking even this morning that well, is it? Do we call it City Hall or? How long will it take us? Where is City Hall? Is it? Well, we will be. Once there will be. That will be. That will be City Hall. Once that's built. Okay. Uh, you know how we have now the two meeting rooms downstairs, sister cities and stuff. Right. Um, and council chambers. We'll be working out of the sister cities room in the new building by Rio Grande until the armory is renovated. Then we'll move back into the armory. To have meetings there again. Yeah. So that will be 
okay. City Hall again with city the city council chambers. You think we'll have comfortable chairs in either location? <laughs> you know, that came up the other <laughs> night. And, they, and somebody even mentioned the cushions. And I said, well, how old are those? And I said, oh, maybe those. Um, the those cushions don't really help all that much. Um, no. um, hopefully that's part of the renovation. Uh, I hope so. We're, we're, pushing, <laughs> we're pushing for that. <laughs> so again, you think it's, did you vote for the new building then? Did you come around or did you did you hold your ground and say, no, I'm not even voting for this because I wanted no, I one roof? Ground, I, I so you really, said you voted against it? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I voted against it. I felt so strongly that it was a mistake to do this three roof option mm -hmm. uh, for long term. You know, we're talking 50 years. And, uh, but. So that was a you and Bert? Was it a 3 2 vote? It was mm -hmm. Art and myself that voted against that. Against the three roof option. Mm -hmm. We're voting for the, the one roof. But that said, what what's I the third roof, if I may? There's just sorry. There's Armory Hall, the new city hall, and the third roof would be the the old Rio Grande building, and that's where parking is right now. Okay. And there'll be some other city offices in there. Okay. So, um, but I'm that sorry. said, mm -hmm. uh, collaboration. So now you know. Now we have this, and I'm I'm, I'm not going to keep talking about what I really wanted, but you know now we have what we have. But so you're my, forced to try and make it better, given that. Well, my goal is the, the selling point of having the three roof is it would be a smaller building down at Rio Grande. So I, I am on a mission to make sure that that stays the size that we agree to and that it doesn't kind of creep as new function. We have a little bit more room. Maybe it'll get a little bigger. Um, we voted for this three roof to keep that building 20,000 feet smaller than what would have been there in a one roof option. So... Um, that's my kind of campaign is to make sure it stays that smaller size. Gotcha. And uh, the other thing that's come up recently um, is the chain store regulation, oh. um, which was a bit of downtown character discussion. Um, was that a hard one for you? Or that's, that's uh, yeah, that was another difficult one. A mm -hmm. Really interesting intent. Um, and I've seen it, and they did a great job of showing us other cities where it was, um, where it's been very successful. And, you know, some cities were similar to ours. Um, like Nantucket, somewhat isolated and not the support of the, you know, not the center of the donut. Like, I think they brought up, um, I can't remember, a city in California that actually, when I Googled it, I realized it was just a, this kind of historic village within this greater urban uh, metroplex. Mm -hmm. and, um, so I think, yeah, I think it would be good. Um, it, I missed, <laughs> people accuse me of, doing this on purpose, but I didn't. I went down to Denver to go to a luncheon honoring Nan Sundin from Health and Human Services. She got a statewide mm -hmm. award, which was right. great. Yeah. Uh, left a half hour early to make sure I could get up to the meeting and got stuck on Vail Pass. Mm. When Vail Pass so you missed the vote. So I missed it. But <laughs> <laughs> Not on purpose, you say. <laughs> Not on purpose. No, what I was going to ask for in it, um, I was generally supportive. But what I wanted to see was a, a little, uh, a more, a better definition of what a chain store is, because we have everything from Inc. as a chain store, to Prada, to uh, City Market. Um, you know what? Right. What is a chain mm -hmm. store, um, and what are the criteria uh, that we're going to use to decide whether this is a good chain store to have in town? I mean, I can think of a few that I wouldn't want in town. But then it might be nice to have a Staples or an Office Max in town. Right. But I mean, sure if it's I shouldn't a, say sure that. It's People a chain at Sandy's store. won't vote for me now. Right. <laughs> well, I wasn't, it struck me, and again, I'm a distant observer, as sort of a solution in search of a problem. I, I'm not sure that there's a problem with the downtown mix of retail. And that and, was one way to look at it. When Bill Sterling did his survey, which was great, he found that 30% of the stores in town are chain store, which doesn't seem overly threatening and like I said there were some that people don't realize are chain stores so maybe 20% of those are, are immediately recognizable as, as a chain store. Um, I mean Cosbar is a, a great example in the sense that it started here and now it's a chain store and so what do you what do you do about that? Um, right, right. Yeah. yeah and I mm -hmm. always bring up Inc which is a real mm -hmm. locals hangout but it right. actually started in Denver. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's an issue and the other you know, what we've just done with the new land use is we're looking for a diversity of businesses. And I think in a town like this, especially when we're catering not just to locals but to the visitors, we do need that range from the homegrown uh, 
crafty little locally owned store to a high-end high-end retail for and some changes that have been made. Mm -hmm. um, uh, initially, I was not overly supportive of it, but um, you know, in one of these things, you respect the people that are putting this stuff forward. That, that's what I was saying, working with uh, these amazing citizens who come forward. Um, there's another citizen initiative that's coming forward, completely different. Uh, it's about raising the age for purchasing tobacco or tobacco product, uh, products, uh, e-cigarettes or um, tobacco products. And this is another thing that's been put together by citizens. They've crafted the whole ordinance. They're going to be in front of city council uh, later this month. And I mean, these are, these are wonderful things. So you, you not only look at what's being put in front of you, but who's putting it in front of you. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, a, I will admit, it was going to be a really difficult night. Mm -hmm. But I didn't I You didn't, didn't purposely avoid it. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. Um. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit more about council dynamics. Um, you're the only woman on council, and right. you will, you'll either be reelected and be the only woman. There's no other women running. Yes, there is. Um, oh, Sue. 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 That's right. Sue. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah. Sue. Um, um, does it matter? Um, that I mean, does does diversity matter and gender diversity matter on, on city council? It, it does. It does. And in the last campaign again in this in that campaign there were 10 candidates for council and mayor you know we'd sit at these long tables with mm. 10 of us and I was the only one woman and it was quite uh, you know really stood out mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't I, I never wanted to run because I'm a woman you have to have a woman but I watched this TED talk it was really interesting somebody sent a link to me and it was a young lady talking and she was talking about um, it's not the goal is not to have a woman at the table, but the goal is to make the best decision possible. And by having a woman at, at the table, you are getting a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, it's a little different process the way I, I look at things. And I think you do end up with a better product, uh, a better decision. So that, so in the, four years ago, I just kept saying diversity. And as a woman, you know, I represent one type of diversity on city council. And we definitely needed more diversity <laughs> on council. Um, but I think currently, I think it's, it's really important to have a woman on council. When you look at, and this is another thing that I've kind of been pushing, is the responsibility of, of local governments to kind of fill the gap, to pick up the pieces from what's going on in Washington. You know, as we're losing support, and, and, and I'm quite involved with the Health and Human Services group here in, uh, in the city in Pitkin County, losing support for a lot of the nonprofits, the agencies in town, and a lot of these deal with women issues, and this is the only places they're getting support. Um, we're losing environmental protections, obviously. Uh, a lot of business regulations are being uh, lightened up a bit. And then we're removing some of the protections from, you know, uh, carbon fuel extraction. Uh, so I, I think, and this has always been the case in the United States. You know, the the, the legislation, the the initiatives, uh, most times bubble up, bottom up. And I think right now it's really important that as a city council, that we're looking at these very very big issues and addressing them. One of which is um, women's challenges. Uh, one example, there's, there's no women's shelter until um, you get down to Glenwood. What, what happens when there's a case of domestic violence or abuse? Um, there's no place for, for the women to go. Um, could be a man, too, <laughs> but in mm -hmm. any other case. So um, I think that we need pretty much equal representation up there, um, you know, of, of ethnic groups, gender, uh, et cetera. So, so this, in this election, I am stressing that you should have a woman at the council table to so that we can make the best decisions possible and so that um, uh, women's interests are represented. The women's interest part seems pretty 
obvious to, to understand. Um, the decision making, it's a pretty subtle thing. Is there any decision you can point to where by being a woman it changed the, your position? I mean, does it matter if you're a woman when you're looking at a building? Or, or is it, how, where does that, how do you define that? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, and I don't. Are you just smarter? <laughs> I, oh, yeah, that's, that's it. <laughs> um, smarter and better judgment. Most husbands would say, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but. Um, I'm trying to think how you characterize it. it. You know, for myself, I see a little difference in some of the other council members. Um, I'm very methodical. I am. <laughs> A friend of mine told me, painfully conscientious. Um, it, and I think that has to do with running a business, raising two boys, one that, that had a disability, um, taking care of my employees, uh, running a household. I mean, there's a lot of things to juggle, and you can't be real quick with your decisions about what's going on. You need to be strategic and methodical about how you approach things. And like I said, painfully conscientious. Um, and that's the way I approach things at the council table. I, I don't know if you watch a lot of times I don't speak up right away but am, am really listening and taking in everything else and then we'll, we'll give an opinion. There are others on the council and uh, since the rest are male maybe we can say it's a male female that quickly do come up with a decision or a comment or um, so I think there's a different uh, there's a different way we approach making decisions. Uh, and I, Sounds like I we should elect know. more of them, frankly. Um. Well, we, we do a pretty good job, you know? <laughs> and the other thing I think many times for women, and again, uh, maybe it has to do with the, the kids and raising kids, there's a little bit more compassion. And I have seen that, a little bit more compassion and understanding. Uh, that doesn't mean 100% tolerance of everything that's going on but maybe a little more understanding of, of why something the way it is, is the way it is. It's interesting. Um, and do you get a special appeals from the audience to you because of that too? Has that come up? As someone said, well, no, and really. you should do this because you're a woman? Or no. That hasn't come up. No. <laughs> so I want to talk about conditional storage rights. Um, it's a topic that I've been yes. pretty focused on. Um, I have some notes. Well, I do too. Oh, and yeah. so it's, uh, it's interesting to me that it's become a bit of a, uh, a question during the campaign. And so you voted, as did all the council members, to file a, a due diligence application with the state to um, renew the conditional water right. rights for another six years. And in that process, the city made certain representations to the state in plain terms that it was making progress mm -hmm. uh, on developing this conditional water right. And so I'm sure it wasn't an easy choice, but I think the toughest question I can ask you about them, and I've been thinking about this, is do you think that vote made it more or less likely that a dam might someday be built within view of the Maroon Bells? Put that way, I think it made it less likely. And I'll explain. Okay. So you really started this conversation with you. You had an article in 2012 about the dams and what was going on. And this was uh, four years before we had to put in the two years after the previous right. uh, filing. Uh, mm -hmm. filing. Um, so you really started that conversation and made people aware of what was going on. Uh, you know, obviously I've done some research on this and, and you know, previous to this, we was 65 when the rights were first applied for and then every six years you do the filing. And... Um, it used to be two and then it was four and now it's six. The legislature oh, okay. keeps ex oh, expanding the time. Okay, so. okay. Because um, people kept talking about the filing of 71 and so I assumed right. it was every uh, six years. It was decreed in 71 and then once it was decreed, then you had to file. And so there was, anyway, the period of the, the period changed. Now it's six years. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so since then, you know, there's been this periodic filing, and the city's been aware of it, and um, it's never been a really public thing, but it's been out there that that we have these water rights and we want to keep these water rights. What do we need to be doing? So this whole program is put together um, of uh, conserving water, um, reporting 
research, you know, that's that's due every six years, this kind of thing. A whole effort to that involves the amount of water that needs to be stored, where where it's stored, um, projections of what we'll need. And so this is just kind of a quiet effort that continually kind of being built on. So when people say uh, nothing's been done for 40 years, that's not quite the case. There's been this, you know, continual program. And I'd have to object to that, though. And there's really not substantive work that's been done. The filings have been made, but the city has never done, for example, a, a feasibility study on either reservoir. I mean, it strikes me that the work that's been done periodically to prepare these filings has been very scant and, and very light. Well, in 1990, the, uh, the legislative action, which was to um, uh, create this integrated water management plan, uh, and with that, it it was all the measures of you know water conservation, everything everything from program to plug up all the city uh, pipes that are leaking, to um, participate, and this was previous to that, but... Um, yes, I don't mean to suggest that the city yeah. hasn't been working on its water system, Oops. but oh, in, terms of the, uh, in terms of the, uh, the reservoirs themselves, uh, there hasn't been a lot of work done, that I can tell. No, no, I don't think okay. there has been a feasibility study, right. and it's kind of been danced around the reservoirs themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and so then with you highlighting all this in 2012, you know, the conversation begins to come up. And when you say, is this the vote more likely to result in a dam or not result in a dam, I say not because because the conversation has started. And where maybe the city was kind of looking at all these different parts of, of what would require water storage, um, not quite as robustly as they are now. You know, now we are looking at, I'm not sure a feasibility of those specific locations is on the books in the works right now, but we are looking the other night, we um, we hired a contractor to take a look at in situ water storage, which is really interesting. Um, and for anybody listening, that's just storing water in glacial till with slurry walls. And um, it's, a, it's a- Underground water storage. Yeah, underground right. water storage. Um, and just, that was two weeks ago, just la this week we, uh, approved um, looking, researching wells, more wells in town, and additional water rights out of Rudai. And again, this would be, so the, the underground storage is some kind of alternative to the dams. What we did this week was looking at other ways that we can get water so we can reduce the storage in the dams. So I think the conversation now is, I mean, I'll say the last thing in the world I want to see is dams up there. but. I do think it's very important uh, that we protect the water rights, and until we know, um, you know, it's so hard to predict what's going to go on, um, until we have a much better idea, and so we're, we've initiated this new report, too, that the last reports were kind of placeholders, and now we've got one that's actually going to do, hopefully, accurate population projections and water needs. Um, it's going to look take climate change a little more seriously, and then in addition, look at uh, these catastrophic events, these one-time events that can really change the, the, the needs for water. So we're going to have that. We're looking at um, how much water you know, we're gonna, we need to store, do we need to store it, uh, look at where other storage, uh, where we could put a storage facility, move it, uh, reduce the size other ways to get water. I mean, it's actually very exciting because uh, the, the conversation has really pushed the city to now start looking at alternatives. And I, I don't think anybody on council wants to see a dam up there. But we do want to protect the water rights, and we also want to protect the streams. And various reports say, yeah, you don't need the dam, but you may be drying up the stream once in a while in a severe drought. And that goes against the environmental values we have in town. So. And the fascinating thing to me about it now is that the city is studying a lot of innovative storage options and saying we're not sure how much storage we need. Yet with this filing, it's also told the state that, well, we still are planning on these reservoirs, which have a combined storage of 13,000 acre feet. And yet 
the city still doesn't feel comfortable actually talking about the reservoirs themselves. Um, they're still I not because we really don't want to see them. <laughs> well, we will do what we. So right, yeah. the, there's a current posture that says, well, we don't want to walk away from these conditional storage rights until we have a viable storage alternative, and it's almost treating these these reservoirs as a, an ace in the hole. But I'm I'm not sure it's an ace. In other words, that no, it's not. No, it's not. It's and so. Um, you don't want to walk away from these till you have another viable alternative, but are these a viable alternative in the first place? Yeah. Well, if you remember, we spoke maybe it was a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. I, I met to. Yeah, to appreciated that. We your, sat down for an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah. pick your brain on this mm -hmm. stuff. And I went away from there saying, wait a second, whatever we're doing, we're not quite being up in front with, uh, with the state or with the population. You know, whatever, whatever path we take. There's some mixed really, messages in yeah, this thing. Yeah, exactly, yes. mixed messages. But I, I do feel better now that we, you know, we're, we're filing this report. Our uh, first goal is to make sure these water rights are protected. I'd rather be. Let in me stop you there, though. But in order to protect these particular water yeah. rights, these are conditional storage rights. Right. The only way to really protect these storage rights is to make progress on building the reservoirs, isn't it? Uh, no, and uh, again. It is such a complicated subject, and you hear different things. I mean, uh, I don't get to it, talk to your water attorney, so we uh, we are probably. Oh yeah, I'd no, love no. to, but I don't get to. I was in a meeting the other day with um, ten lawyers, and yes, talk about that. That was an initial settlement conference. Yeah. I'm not sure I can actually talk about it. I was I was lucky to go there. I learned quite a bit. And you and the mayor were there and you mm -hmm. met with the opposers. At least we yeah. can talk about that the meeting did take yeah. place. And right? yeah, oh yeah, it yeah. took place. Okay. And um, it couldn't be public because it was um, it's part you know, of the it's settlement process from yeah. the water court proceeding. Yeah. Right. And um, all I can say is that we did leave the meeting with a better understanding of what each side was trying to accomplish and some goals on how we could work together a bit more. So let me go back to my first question. So you do think by, even though in some ways, in filing this diligence application, the city has informed the state that it, it's still um, intent on developing these reservoirs if necessary, that you still think that's going to somehow make it less likely that those will actually well, occur? Well, as I understand it, um, water storage as opposed to specifically the reservoirs, that there is, we could... Um, Relocate them somewhere. We could change the size of them. Uh, those are those are all options. Potentially, you potentially. Yes. But you need to have that. Um, you need to have the water rights and you know the original plan there so that you can actually change it. If you give the whole thing up, um, th then you have no options. I mean, I, I I try and break this down for people sometimes and saying. Do you remember when you were in elementary school and there was one water fountain and at the end of recess people had to line up? And, oh, yeah. Right? And so that's basically what a water ride is. It's like a place in line, mm -hmm. right? So I'm fourth in line to reach the, the water fountain. Right. And the, the real question is the city's trying to save its place in line with mm -hmm. these conditional water rides. And I understand that they're obligated to go through a particular system that exists in Colorado. The real question is, is are they saving their place in line with integrity? Or are they trying to, cheat's a bad word, but are they trying to gain an unfair advantage by holding on to these water rights when really they don't deserve to hold on to them because they haven't been actually working towards developing them? In other words, if Denver Water owned these conditional water rights, I'm almost certain the city would be challenging their legitimacy because Denver Water hasn't acted on them. Mm -hmm. And so is it really fair what the city's trying to do in terms of maintaining these water rights? Does it meet the highest ethical standards? Well, um, yeah, the, I, I'm not sure. You know, Aurora owns the water rights at Hayden Ranch, just outside of Leadville. Mm -hmm. And they've ne never acted on them. Mm -hmm. um, so Should they get to maintain them just because uh, they want to? Yeah, and I mean, I'm just, I, I'm thinking about that. I, I find that distasteful that Aurora owns water rights <laughs> up in Leadville. I, well, you know, it's uh, under perfectly legal under state law, it's right? It's perfectly legal. Right. Um, I would rather uh, Aspen have the water rights outside of Aspen for the people in Aspen. Right, but now, do they have they earned the right to hold them? I think so, because 
again, it isn't just putting in a report every six years and checking a box. Sure seems like that. Now, as I said, you know, there's a lot of other things that we're that the city is doing right. to conserve water, to um, decrease the use of water, to take a look, um, you know, find other water sources. That, that's pretty much it. The conversation, mm -hmm. sorry, conservation mm -hmm. of water. Um, well, so the, one of the things that's, that's going on, I think, no, here no, no, is no, let that, me finish. Okay. So, so right. conservation of water, looking for new water sources, and then evaluating the need for these dams. Mm -hmm. So we're doing those three things. So I do think that that does lend integrity to our um, keeping these water rights. And bottom line, I'd much rather we have oversight over these water rights than someone else. All right, fair enough. I guess I've beaten that horse pretty good. Um, <laughs> I think there's still, I think there's some questions, frankly, about um, whether the city can sort of have it both ways, whether the city can admit that it doesn't really want to build the reservoirs, but it can tell the state that it's making progress on them. That's my biggest concern, well, if you will, in terms of the city's uh, integrity, frankly, whether that's a really, whether that's an approach that can be taken with integrity. And so I worry it is instead of making progress on, on building the dams, making progress on water storage, storage in whatever, um, however that comes about. Right. Well, it should be a long-term process, so we'll have time, more time to talk about it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there'll be a lot yeah. of water studies we can look at as we go. Right. And so well. can I just tell you, let's, let's, get, sure, get down, let's get down to the details. You bet. So again, one of the things the city is doing, and of course I have to you know, pat myself on the back or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, you had, we had the, the Colorado Water Plan, and then that went down to water amplification water basin implementation plans mm -hmm. and it's gotten down so it's a very interesting process so it's gotten down again my point the local level we start we start the improvements at the local level so what we have now in Aspen what I've been working on because I am really interested in this aspect of, of uh, city council responsibilities um, a landscape plan that we've been working on for about a year it's going to be a model for other um, or so I've been told <laughs> uh, for other cities and towns in Colorado and it will uh, restrict and allow us to really control water uses on residential landscapes, which has been a real, a real problem with some of the, the homes that are built here. And so that should be done, um, I think that's going to be done about May. It'll be ready to present to City Council. But well, that is interesting. I do understand one, some of the largest customers that the municipal water utility has are large mm -hmm. landowners on Red Mountain for sure. example, with yeah. large lawns. And so they're using treated city water as irrigation water. Right. And so the way this is put together, and again, it was done with, you know, another one of my points is the city, <laughs> it is it's slow to get things done. But it's because there's a lot of research involved and, you know, testing and back and forth. So um, we had a consultant research plans across the country, legislation, and what we came up with was a water budget for each um, uh, for each ap application, and it's based on a whole bunch of things. But we come up with a water budget. We have a, um, you have that budget, and you can use it if you want. You can use it for your little circle of Kentucky bluegrass, or you can use it to water a wildflower, wildflower field. So uh, the, it's a way for the city to monitor what's going on. It's um, getting away from us telling someone you know, a property rights issue telling someone you can't do this, you can't do that. You say, here's what you get. It's very conservative. We've uh, calculated the budget on using low water plants and that kind of thing, so it's a very conservative budget. But there you have it. Use it whatever way you want to use it. And, Interesting. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. I think it you know, I've looked into that a little bit, and uh, you can't, the city won't release um, its list of largest customers. Oh, really? No, oh. either in its electricity or its water use. They don't have to, and, and they won't. And uh, under state law, they don't have to, and so they don't. And so you can't, um, you can't publicly shame people, if you will. You can't say, okay, well, here's the city's uh, largest water users. And so I think that would be a fascinating list for the public to see, frankly. And I first looked at it from an electricity standpoint of, well, who's using the most electricity in their residential homes? And, and the city can see that, but the public cannot. Right, interesting. So, because you can make some guesses, but that would be right. But then this ordinance should um, should change that. 
dramatically. If not make it public, at least um, put everyone more on a budget, as you say. Yeah. On a water yeah. budget. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you indulging me on the on the water conversation. <laughs> um, I'm glad you, I guess, think that it'll make it less likely. I mean, because it would be difficult, I think, for people to vote for any incumbent if they felt that actions they had taken made it more likely that a dam might be built within view of the maroon bells. Right? right? That would be a difficult no, I think it's, plank it's, to run on, certainly. It's less likely just because it's made the whole thing public. It's made everybody look really closely at what's going on, uh, what potentially could happen, and what we need to do to mm -hmm. really control control our future and protect the valley, protect the people, protect the streams. So. Well, cool. Um, so we have about five minutes left, and so I don't want to make my um, line of questioning your sole ability to talk to, to voters in, in Aspen about <laughs> why you should be reelected. So uh, I should give you a chance to, to tell me uh, again, maybe, or um, reemphasize why you think you should be reelected and, and what you'd like to achieve if you are. Yeah, and again, um, we've kind of covered it, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I was in private practice for years. And you got things done. You decided to do something, and you did it. And um, and then it's been so different being in city government. It does, as I said, move very, very small, uh, slowly, small increments. Um, and so I, I've learned to really appreciate that. You know, you make very small moves. Uh, you back them up with a lot of research, whether it's from our staff or from consultants, a lot of public comment. Um, you put all this together and slowly you achieve these very small moves and eventually you end up with a, some substantial um, improvement. Uh, I, I've really gotten to appreciate this way of doing things. I feel like in four years I have, when I first came on council, someone told me uh, it's going to take a year before you even understand the agenda and I thought, no, that can't. But it does take a long time. Um, I feel like I've uh, I understand the system. I'm able to get things accomplished, things like this landscape ordinance. Um, and I have accomplished some very, very good things on council, whether it's health and human services, which we talked a little about, um, environmental issues, uh, the built environment. Uh, so I would very much like to continue the things that I, you know, that I have initiated that aren't quite complete, and then um, continue to initiate new efforts. For the citizens. So in a way, you're just poised to do the job, that, or better, better prepared now than ever to do the job that you wanted to do in the first place. Right, and then, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and then, so then, quick four things, um, specific things. Um, Quickly, at, if you would. I'm sorry, I maybe asked the question too late here, but I'm. Oh, sorry. So, okay, a couple minutes. Okay. One, two, three, four. Okay. Um, one, as I mentioned, control the development. If we have the three roof option, I want to make sure that it stays as small as we approved. Um, I want to continue to work on our traffic and congestion problems. This is in every, forefront in everybody's mind. Most important, realign the affordable housing program to address um, the inventory we have, what we need, what we don't have, uh, abuses that have been spoken about, and also to look at the older inventory and how we treat that inventory. So that that's kind of the prime thing. It's really extremely it, it's important. Makes me feel good that that housing and transportation are, are still on on. Oh yeah, they're always on the list, right? Yeah, yeah. No, the housing oh. and um, we need to we need to get affordable housing, more and more of it. Um, I make the example of you know when some of the older people in town move out, it isn't going to be employees buying their homes, but second homeowners. And as I said to someone else, how can you govern a town that nobody lives in? We need to get people into town. Mm -hmm. Diversity of businesses, diversity of housing. Um, and then we've got a healthy community. Well, um, we should thank you. I should thank you on behalf of the community for your four years of public service okay. and your willingness to serve again. And um, good luck in the campaign. Okay, thanks. You're thanks welcome. so much. Grassroots Community Network's 2017 Aspen City Council candidate and election coverage is made possible by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen, where your donations and purchases of clothing and other personal items supports dozens of nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley.
Underwriting for Grassroots ProBlind series of in-depth candidate discussions is provided by ANB Bank Aspen, a bank like no other, with the strength, talent, commitment, and security to fulfill their business and personal customers' financial needs. A special thanks to Aspen Journalism for partnering with Grassroots on ProBlind, because well-informed citizens make better decisions. Discover more local, in-depth investigative journalism at aspenjournalism.org. It is simple to join these local institutions in supporting grassroots programming. Click the Donate button on your next visit to grassrootstv.org. You can watch this program and thousands of other grassroots programs online at grassrootstv.org, as well as on Cable Channel 12, Up Valley, Cable Channel 82, Down Valley, and Free TV Channel 12.1, over the Picking County Translator System. Or find a podcast of this discussion and many other informative and inspiring local presentations by clicking the iTunes or SoundCloud icons at the top of grassrootstv.org homepage.